Man, good morning, Christ Center. How you guys doing? I feel like the way that just happened, I feel like I just got called into the principal's office there. All of a sudden, we're hanging out, visiting, and then the music stops. Felt like Andrew was like, Joshua, go to your office. He is an elder, so he just doesn't he just doesn't usually swing the authority like that, you know. Go be where you're supposed to be. I better stop. When I tease Andrew too much, he just turns me down. And so it's a liability. Father, we thank you so much that we can be here today. God, I thank you for this incredible group of saints that you have gathered together. Lord, I ask that you would fill them today with your Holy Spirit. Fill us all with your Holy Spirit, Lord, your ecclesia, your people. And God, give us not only the ability to hear this word, but through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would be doers of the word. I pray for encouragement, for conviction. I pray, Lord, that as we hear these words, that your Holy Spirit, God, would cause this this word. You said your word is a two-edged sword. And it cuts down even to the very motivations of the heart. Lord, I pray that you go to the motivations of our heart, purify our love, purify our actions and our practices. And then also, Lord, I ask that you would cut off the activity, the discouragement, the frustration, the distraction of the enemy as we continue to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Well, as you, as you heard, um, Carly um, encouraged us. We've been, we've been making these devotions, and they, they actually run six days a week. They're anywhere from four to six minutes long. Most of them are five minutes long, and they follow through this sermon series so that each day you can take a small amount of time and do a devotional that's going to cover the same scriptures. It's going to cover some of the thoughts, but in maybe a little bit different facet or engagement. And my favorite part of all is a whole bunch of y'all are doing these devotionals, meaning you're actually recording them. We're, you're the ones that are giving the scriptures and, and taking us through the devotion. So it's been super fun to hear all of your voices, the voices of Christ Center, as we've been going through this together. So if you haven't signed up for that, I really encourage you, please get that devotional. We're seeking that this wouldn't just be information, that it would be transformation, and we would engage these rhythms in our life, because we truly are called to be salt and light in this world, and to make our Father famous. Amen? Amen. All right. So if you, uh, if you, uh, hey, I want to jump right in and give you a quick overview, and it is, it is this. Jesus, over the last, let's see, I'm in, week, uh, I'm in week four, aren't I? Jesus told us that he would build his ecclesia, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. His ecclesia, the assembly, is what that means. We are the assembly of God, and wherever we are, wherever we gather in his name, God is in our midst and all authority belongs to him. Amen? This means that our lives are of huge importance. We have power to extend his presence, his kingdom, in every place that we are. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Can you receive that? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm salt and light. That is true. Now, Jesus warns us, however, to make sure that we are reflecting Christ or we will not bring light but rather darkness, right? He says, if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So you and I are, we are actually admonished and encouraged and commanded by Jesus to be reflecting light. If we're no longer light, we can't brighten anything, amen? That's pretty straightforward. And also as salt, 
We're to be like Christ, that we're to be delicious and savory. What do you do when you're eating an amazing cut of meat, but they didn't put any salt on it? And what do you say? Waiter, do you have any salt? And he brings the salt, and you're like, that's what I'm talking about. How many of you guys know, right, that a $200 steak still doesn't taste right if there's no salt on it? Raise your hand. Man, you guys can afford $200 steaks? Are you kidding me right now? Well, praise God. I'm going to check tithe next week and see. I'm going to rejoice in the raises that you've been getting. 10%, that's 20. Praise Jesus. Okay, sorry. Back to this. We're to be salt and light, adding value and beauty to everything we're mixed into. And if, but yet if we lose our saltiness and we become just like the world, then we have nothing to offer that the world desperately needs. Are you with me? If we taste just like what the world has to offer, we are actually, Jesus' words, worthless to them. Not to him, to them. Yikes, right? That got heavy. <laughs> Jesus admonishes us, we must stay salty and filled with his light. Okay? The good kind of salty. Not the like, mm-hmm kind of salty. Now, we're looking at the different spheres that we all live and work in, and we're discussing how we do this in practice and in powerful ways through our words, our works, and our actions. That's what this whole series is about, that it's not just sort of this like platitude of like, yes, we must be salt and light. Hmm. And then it doesn't look like anything. How many of you guys know that's just worthless, right? So we're looking to say, I want to be, I want to, I want to engage in a very practical way. Jonathan shared last week about how we do this in the workplace. And one of the foundational truths we're called to understand is that of our original commission from God that was given to us through Adam and Eve to cultivate the garden that we're in. That was a good word. Cultivate the garden you're in. Come on. We have a responsibility to cultivate peace in our spheres of influence, which is our gardens. Are you guys seeing that? Adam and Eve got that commission. Here, I want you to cultivate the garden. I want you to extend the garden and bring peace and order to every bit of chaos that my kingdom would grow, my influence would grow, it would extend. Guys, that commission hasn't changed. And each of us are planted in gardens. So one of those gardens is your workplace. That's a sphere of influence, a place of responsibility. I like that. My responsibility. Do you guys, I liked that. I liked how Jonathan drew a finer, a finer, a finer, finer point to that. In your sphere of influence, you can look at that to say, in this area, what are my responsibilities? My God-given assignment that he has delegated his authority to, to me, in order to cultivate peace in an area of chaos. Nature abhors a vacuum. When the people of peace, that's you and me, don't cultivate peace in those places, chaos reigns. Sarcasm reigns. Cynicism reigns. Waste reigns. How many of you guys have ever worked at a job where nothing is efficient? Seriously, raise your hand. I won't trap you. It's hell, isn't it? It's flipping hell on earth. Literally, Satan is the author of chaos and confusion. Have you ever worked in that? You're just like, are you kidding me? Like, why did they place that all the way across on the other side of the yard when it's the number one product that we take out of this area? And everybody has to go 20 minutes to go get it. And you're just like, it's maddening, right? Doesn't it feel like, it's like mental illness. Come on, doesn't it? Are you guys with me? It's like, this is harder than it's supposed to be. All right, so we fix it. We bring order to that place of chaos. All right. 
He's authorized you and I to bring order, beauty, honor, kindness, respect, value, patience, profit, hope. In short, his kingdom to the places where I live, where I work, and where I play. So today we're going to talk about our homes, our households, and being salt and light in our households. And I, I get to talk about that. In King James, they call it householders. You're all householders. Come on. That was not in my notes, and it was kind of dumb, but I went with it, and it was a swing and a miss. But you guys don't mind laughing at me if you can't laugh with me, which is, I think, why we get along so well. Because I am so confident I can handle it till I get home and cry to Karen. <laughs> All right. You guys, I want to uh, do something right now. I want you to take out your phones. Seriously, just go ahead and take them out. Take those phones out. Now, I want you to right now, I want you to think of somebody who you normally see or maybe you haven't seen for a while on a Sunday morning. You got them? Text them right now and just tell them like, hey, I missed seeing you today. I love you. Go ahead. It's really amazing what a powerful message it is when you're not there and people notice. And this is an area where the enemy works really powerfully when he's on one hand distracting us from coming together and gathering as we're commanded to, and then on the other side saying, no one even missed you anyway. This whole thing is just a joke, and it's just a religious exercise, and those people didn't even notice you were gone. So he pulls us away on one hand and then pushes us away on the other using that evidence. And this is a simple way where we can just remember that, man, we need each other, don't we? And we love each other. So thanks for doing that. And you don't even have to have me tell you to do that every Sunday. You could just do it. How many of you like to be bossed around? See, you're free to do it on your own. <laughs> My jokes are not working at all today. Joshua 24, 14 through 16. The, the OJ, the original Joshua. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away... I just lost myself. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. So the context here is that Joshua has now brought the people of God into the promised land. All right, so that's us. We're in the promised land. We're in the place where God's planted us to extend his kingdom. But he says to them, you choose this day who you will serve, either the old gods of your forefathers, which were not God, or the gods of this place. Okay, and for us, let's read the gods of this world. What are the gods of this world? Well, in America, the gods of this world are personal autonomy, pride, sexuality, power, and materialism. Right? My, I get the power to define and determine all things, and my happiness and pleasure is the number one thing that's important. Okay? So those are the gods of this place, and we have to decide whom then will you serve? 
choose this day. And then Joshua says, and this is our, how many of you guys have this plaque in your house, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Isn't that good? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, which is perfect since we're talking about being salt and light in our homes. So, so what's really cool about our homes, guys, is that our homes are the place where most of us have the most amount of authority and influence. It's the place where most of us are ridiculously in charge. There's a, uh, there's a business um, principle when they're dealing with business leaders that at a certain point you have to look at your business and whether it's producing things that are good or bad, whether the culture is amazing or rough, whether you have waste or lots of profitability, at a certain point, after a certain time, you have to admit to yourself, everything that happens in my business is happening by design. I have created systems by either on purpose or on accident that produce this over and over and over again. And I'm the person who's ridiculously in charge. So if I want it to change, I'm going to have to do something different because it's all happening by design now. Are you with me? So you have to make new changes. Well, our homes are like that. It's the place where at least, and if I'm a kid in my home, I'm at least ridiculously in charge of what's going on in my room. Are you with me? Yeah, so you have a space. And for those of us in our homes, you've got tremendous influence. But we have to say, okay, what am I going to own in my home? What am I going to do with my responsibility where I can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How will I be salt and light? I really believe that our homes... Are, are like the beachhead of peace. It's like the launching place for where we then go out from there and affect the world. And it's a place that we get to cultivate it. I mean, I think about like contrasting, I just used a business example, but like in business, most of us don't own our own businesses. We, we either, we work for someone else or with someone else, but you do have a level of responsibility and influence within that, but it may be somewhat limited compared to the amount of 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 of, of authority that you have to just like take the reins and just steer at home. Like in your business, there's checks and balances. You may have to work with your board or, or with your shareholders or with your partner or with the other employees. Like it's, a, it's, I'm not saying you don't have responsibility. You have tremendous responsibility. But as far as like authority and ease of changing the culture, you're like ridiculously in charge in your home. Are you guys with me? And so, so what we create there is really up to us. And we get to say, okay, whom then will I serve? So, so what does that look like? Some of the things that we have authority over in our homes, I mean, and if you're a roommate, you have at least like 50% vote, right? The decor, the calendar, you get to set your own calendar within your home, your diet, your habits, who is invited and at what time, what you're going to listen to, what you're going to watch, what your sleep schedule is if you don't have a little baby. This too shall pass. Just reach your hands out to those who have young children. Lord, let your grace and peace be upon our, our young parents with young kids and our older parents with young kids. <laughs> See, I believe in this world, one of the things that, is, that can be so challenging, actually, is our struggle with feeling powerless. And, and here's this encouragement is God never leaves us powerless. And in fact, like carving out a beachhead of peace, carving out a garden where you're cultivating peace, start in your home. That's where you sleep. Goodness. There's, we have a, I want to encourage you. You've got tons of authority and you can do something right now. 
I can have incredible influence to do good right now in my home. Romans 12, 9 through 13 says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. You know, our homes are a place of hospitality. I think about, we're going to get into this later with neighbors, but like Paul and Ann Nunn. Have you ever been to Paul and Ann Nunn's house? If you haven't, you should talk to the Lord. You've probably done something wrong because everybody's been to Paul and Ann's. And they're such good hosts. <laughs> I'm going to repent after this thing, just kidding. Uh, they're just amazing. If you're, if you're ever blessed to hang out with them, they bring hospitality. One of the, one of the characteristics, the, the, uh, the character attributes that you must have in order to be a deacon or an elder in the church of God is to show hospitality, is to open up your home to serve others. That's, a, that's an incredible thing that we're able to do in our homes is to give hospitality. And not just to people that don't live there. We start with the people that do live there. But I like this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zero in on it for a minute, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Wow, man, that's actually super revolutionary because familiarity breeds contempt without love, right? I mean, at a certain point, you're just like, are you really going to eat your cereal like that? I mean, it's just like, how many times does that spoon have to hit your teeth. <laughs> it's so funny. C.S. Lewis talks about that. It's like it's these repetitive little things that become nearly unbearable for us if we don't continue to walk in honor. Are you guys with me? We seek to outdo one another in honor, which is to extend respect to each other. And we can cultivate that in our home and not get pulled into these tiny little ruts of disrespect that we show to each other. Are you guys, is this hitting home with anybody else? You guys are really quiet. All right. So what are some things that I have power over? I have power over how I treat people I'm in contact with in my home. I have power over how I speak. I have power over what I speak, of what I think and meditate on. How many of you guys have ever walked into a room and you ask somebody like, how are you doing? And they're like, I'll tell you what's going wrong in Washington. And you're like, that is not what I asked you. Right? They're like, what's going on today? I'm telling you, my wife is making me. It's like, well, wait, hold on. Are you, guys, are you guys with me? What is it that I've been meditating on? What is it that, I'm, that, that is feeding me? How many of you guys have ever talked to somebody after they just ate like some delicious? For me, I'm a huge fan of tuna melts with onions. I love tuna salad with onions. Janelle and Jason hate tuna fish. They were marred in YWAM as children with really bad like tuna casseroles and stuff. And so when I come and I'm all just got that hot, yummy tuna melt mouth, it really stinks up the joint. All right? Sometimes you people, when you're with what you're meditating on, it's like, what have you been eating? Like, I don't want to be in the same room with you right now. Well, what we meditate on, right, it's either going to be good and people are going to be like, I'd love some of that. Or they're going to be like, you stink. You're stinking up the joint with your stinky tuna breath. And we can choose what we're going to meditate on, what we're going to eat, because it's what's going to come back out. Are you guys with me? We have tremendous power to do that. We also, how our actions affect those in our home. My daughter, Autumn Grace, I was processing this with her um, and on, 
on rhythms in the home, right? You can't hide from your kids. Oh, boy, you can't hide from your kids. Whew. It's scary to come up here and preach. That's why neither, oh, no, Mercy's here. Just kidding. At any rate, she said this. She said, you know, one of the things that's amazing about uh, things that we have power over and, and rhythms of how we, how we are salt and light in our home is she said, it kind of reminds me of like when I was in grade school and you were learning how to get along with your classmates and learning how to do different things, but you knew you didn't know much yet. So you were just learning and listening so that you would know how to live, how to treat your neighbor with honor, how to do conflict resolution, et cetera. And she goes, and then you hit a certain point where you're like, yeah, I got this. You know, you guys know what that's called, right? Pride. It's hubris, and you're no longer a lifelong learner. And I think we can do that to each other in the home. I'm not listening anymore. I already know why you're doing what you're doing. That's called pride, right? You guys know mind reading is not a real thing. You and God are the only one who knows what's going on inside of your heart and head. I have to actually ask you. But in our homes, we can actually stop being learners, stop trying to outdo each other with honor to say, you know, I noticed you're doing this, and I'm, I'm puzzled by that because we talked about that, and I thought we weren't going to do it that way anymore, but yet you're still doing it. Can you help me understand that? And they go, oh, my goodness, I actually, there's not much to understand. I totally forgot we talked, and I'll fix it. Or they say, you never said that out loud to me. Whatever, but <laughs> the bottom line is, like, you work it out. By being humble, right? Just humility to learn and engage. That's something I can choose how to do. But I, I liked that Autumn brought that up was, am I still in a place of humility and learning what's going on in the situation instead of just assuming I know what's up and coming at you without respect and honor? So that's some things that we can cultivate in the home. So um, I want to actually have you guys here now. Jason's going to come up and interview some of y'all amazing saints. And so you can hear from the saints' mouths some of the things that they've done to cultivate rhythm of, of health and be salt and light in their homes. So, Jason, uh, take it away, my friend. No tuna melts. Say no to tuna melts. J.D. Payne, come on up here. J.D. is a great dude. If you haven't got to know this guy, um, he's, a, he's a great dude. He uh, worked in the, in the corporate world. He told me yesterday he used to have short hair, clean shaven, and wear a suit every day, which is just, I can't even picture it. I truly cannot. Uh, so now JD is a, a stay-at-home dad uh, as uh, Chandra works with DHS, and he's got a couple of kids. And uh, JD, I know that peace when you have children is a difficult thing to cultivate, especially when they're little. So what have you majored on as far as bringing, bringing shalom into your household? Um, <clears throat> well, first, I, I will point out, Josh, I, uh, I, I bite my fork with my teeth. It scrapes all the time, and it probably drives my house nuts. Um, but, uh, yeah, in, in, as we were thinking about this week and uh, hearing the devotions about... Um, salt and light in the workplace, um, I, I was reminiscing about back to my old life and, uh, and being in management and um, the things, I was in a very sales-driven culture and uh, the things that, the things that you uh, helped a, a branch or an office uh, excel was when your team had a daily awareness of their goals from sales to your average rate of whatever transaction and growth and profitability and so when you had that 
that awareness every day, um, it, it, uh, it, it helped people excel. And so with our house, um, we don't run a, a team meeting every day, but, um, but we still have certain vocabulary words that are our priority when in our prayer life of, of, of simple things of life, love, peace, hope. Um, to us, to, in our house, that's a starting point for, uh, as a parent, of, uh, of telling our kids this is what's important to us every day. And they may not see it as, as a daily awareness. They may just see it as dads telling us the same thing over and over again. Um, but, um, but at least they, they're hearing it, and, and they know that, they know that, uh, that, that it, it, means, it means something to us, to me and Chandra, and, uh, and therefore it means something to our, our household. Sort of continually coming back to the family culture, and like this is who we are, these are what we're aiming for. That, I really like that, and, and I like the fact, too, that, that you're thinking so much about words. And I know that's something you've tried to instill in your kids as well, is giving them a sense of the power of their own words. Is that right? It is. Yeah. Um, the uh, our kids are nine and almost six, and uh, and so they they say everything that nine and six year olds say. It usually relates to butts and farts, and so and and my daughter is uh, is kind of compiling her own list of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, what's good and what's bad. And we've been able to have conversations of saying it's not every word that's out there. It's not that there's a standard of a good word or a bad word. They're just words. But but the message we're trying to relay to our kids is that those words have power and, and those words have meaning and you can you can tear down with those words or you can bring life to and if we're if we have a culture of of life and giving hope to our kingdom and to our household as well as to others um we want to be able to put those words uh to work for good and uh and so um, um well you you were talking too about your own you guys as parents then modeling that really really well and one of the hardest things for me in modeling you know, when, when one kid is having a meltdown or, or just having a really, really hard time or really just kind of being a brat, like the things you want to say in that moment. But I like how one of the things you guys have said, well, I'm going to let you say it. What have you said in those moments when one kid is upset that they have to go and pick the other kid up at dance practice? Right. Yeah, the, um, the whole, all this week when I was asked to talk about how we cultivate peace, a thing that stuck out uh, was that when you're bringing peace into something, it usually means you're bringing it into a not calm scenario. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, yeah, for instance, just knowing that uh, your delivery and how you say things, instead of saying, get your shoes on, get off the couch, get in the car and get over it, is not going to go over well, and it's not going to promote the goals that we want to accomplish of, of peace and community and relationship, whereas we, we tend to shift the, um, the focus to, hey, you're not the only person in this house. This is, not the, this is not about you right now. This is, we're talking about your brother's time right now, and this is his time, and um, it's something that he's working on that we're 
trying to get to a point where we get to celebrate and see him um, perform at a certain level at some point, and we got to help him get there. And uh, and so, um, it it it's not a huge shift to me, but it's um, uh, but just the if the right words truly make the world better. I I, I love that line. This isn't about you right now. And I was thinking of how, isn't that a big call of us as believers to remind ourselves, oh, this isn't about me right now. And the vast majority of time, when I get in a really bad attitude, it's probably what I really need to hear. Hey, this isn't about you right now. So being able to, to gently remind them, I think, is a really wonderful way to reflect Christ in the home. Thank you, JD. Appreciate it. Where is Lynn Revis? Oh, there she is. Lynn Revis is on her way up. Let's give her a hand as she comes up. Lynn Revis raised 10 children. Uh, Right here is good. You can do that. Yeah, and now, um, of course, she's not raising children anymore, but now she, as a a single woman, is doing in-home care for her mother. And she wrote out uh, uh, some things that have been on her heart and how she cultivates peace in that situation. So go ahead, Lynn. Thank you. Okay, yeah. So over those span of 36 years raising my 10 amazing kids, I thought I could handle anything. And then in bringing my 91-year-old mother into my home, bringing her from Southern California to Oregon three and a half years ago when her needs became such that she required concentrated care, I felt I was doing a good thing, and I felt my experience in home care had prepared me, and I was happy to do it. I was not prepared for the one biggest aspect, which was her severe memory damage. So she does not remember a question she's asked, and I've answered a few minutes previously. Nor minutes after I clear the dishes away does she remember that she's just eaten, whether it was her favorite butterscotch pudding or a full three-course meal. Saddest of all, for me as her daughter, is her unhappiness with not having the life she enjoyed, with freedom to meet with friends, most of whom are no longer living, the ability to read novels, or even to keep tracking with her familiar TV westerns and MASH, or to remain living in her home of many years. Believing inside that she's a much younger person who can still do these things, she also thinks that I've removed her from all of that. This had manifested in a sadly negative attitude throughout her days. Of course, I understand her unhappiness and commiserate with her and attempt to comfort her. But of course, these are valid losses. Even an occasional day at the coast, which she thinks she will enjoy, is fraught with unhappiness about the too long drive, the wind blowing, not being able to walk on the sand with her walker, and a variety of other factors. Hardest for me would be that minutes after driving away from the ocean, she does not recall we'd just been there. One day, after trying to answer her call for help, arranging her blankets, which she was saying were too heavy, but then being accused of trying to take them away from her with the order to stop messing with her bed, I'd gone to the kitchen in tears. God, help, we need to talk. I told him I might not be able to go the distance in this virtually solitary life, caring for my mom who rarely remembers anything I've done within minutes. I said it started to feel too painful to keep on being misunderstood 
and I can rarely make her happy for even a moment in time. Then I felt the impression of his voice. <laughs> he told me that he sees everything I do from my mother and he values it all. Then he said, would you be able to do it for only an audience of one? My heart melted. I told him, Father, I can do that. Something instantly shifted inside of me. That's everything to me, to know without a doubt that I'm truly seen and appreciated by my God. Most of all, to know that my care of my little aged mother in my own home is important to him. Still marveling at how God had lifted my heart, I walked into my mother's bedroom a few minutes later where she was sitting in her recliner with her TV on. I gave her the morning orange juice and pills, and she said, thank you, dear. I was startled. Her pattern had been to complain that I was making her take more pills. As I stepped past her to empty the bucket from her bedside commode, again she said, thank you for doing that for me. Since that day, over five months ago, mom has thanked me for practically each and everything I've done for her. I can only say that God changed my mindset in the kitchen and changed her simultaneously in the bedroom. Yeah, she still cannot recall things that have been done minutes before, but God does, and it matters to him, and that's enough for me. I no longer feel isolated and unseen. I think of the encouragement, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all of your might as unto the Lord. With this thankfulness now abounding in her, mom has become more content and peaceful than I could have ever hoped. Another beautiful aspect of this for me is that I too have intentionally focused on how thankful I truly am for God's gift of freedom to care for my mother in my own home after several years of caring for the loved ones of others in their homes. Although I'm in many respects presently tethered to my apartment, I'm also thankful for gaining deep contentment, just being myself home with God and my mom, while also able to invite friends and family to come in and share with the peace that resides here. Well, I was not expected to get choked up while I'm standing up here. That was beautiful. Thank you, Lynn. John Miller. Where's John Miller? The man, the myth, the legend. I love this guy. He, uh, he's got a lot of daughters. And he's got a son. And he is... Uh, he is such a, a, a stable and, and sneaky, hilarious guy. That's one thing that a lot of people don't know about John because he's just so, he's so chill and friendly, but he's sneaky, hilarious. John, as you have raised your kids, um, how, how do you, and this is a hard thing, I know when you have a lot of kids, like we both do, but how, how, how do you manage that as far as just helping them to feel valued? Sometimes well and sometimes not, but uh, the goal and what I've practiced in seasons, I guess, is to intentionally give them some time uh, every week, I guess, is kind of the goal. Um, like individual time with them, because I mean, I, I know your kids, 
somewhat, and, and I know Zane is probably quite a bit different than Alora, so that's going to look a little different, right? Yeah, individual time, that's what I meant. So, like, just one-on-one -on -one time with them and I, and, um, and it's funny, yeah, they're very individual, and as seasons go, sometimes this doesn't happen as often as it should, and then there are seasons where it's, like, clearly... I need to focus on this and make it happen. And um, so we try to do that. I actually just talked to my oldest daughter who was here visiting. And is getting married. Yeah. She's a, a beautiful, amazing woman at this point. Wow. Um, anyway, we were. <laughs> <coughs> We were just reflecting on something we did when she was in high school, which was like once a week, I'd grab her, take her to school early, really early, and we would go to this place in Denver called Duffy Roll, and if you've ever been there, it's amazing. Um, anyway, you know, she's come back to me a couple different times over the years and just thanked me for that, and been like, those were such good times, and you know, sometimes it would be just laughing and goofing off, and sometimes it's talking about the hard things, but trying to recognize and take the time to be able to see that individual, just the differences in the individuality of each kid and approaching that from a perspective of, God, what do you want to do with these guys and not the perspective of, what do I want to do with you? Um, I think just being there and showing up sometimes is the biggest part, I think, of parenting, isn't it? Just like making space for those conversations to happen, just showing up. Yeah, yeah. And um, God's been good. I was thinking about this too. Even when I fall short in that, when it's something that needs to happen, like God just creates an opportunity. Um, I was thinking of just like last week, I had a like a two-hour drive with my son that was kind of, Kind of out of the blue, but it happened, and it was good. I was thinking about when, when things go wrong or when, when we mess up. How have you handled that with your kids? I, I, I've never actually messed up with my kids, but <laughs> when <laughs> Sam is uh, making faces. Right um, no, um, uh, uh, what, what do you do in that situation, John? Yeah, I've had plenty of opportunity there, um, and that was something I thought about just in reflecting on this when you talked when I was asked earlier in the week, but it is difficult, but I've found it hugely important and actually a catalyst for breakthrough in relationships with my kids and stuff that we all struggle with for me to recognize when I've hurt someone or when I've said or done something I shouldn't do and humble myself and just apologize. Apologize to your children? What is this? <laughs> yeah, apologize to my children. And it's hard. I've done it many, many times. And um, I need to do it more. But <laughs> I, He told me that, and I was like, oh, dude, that is so... Any other parents found that's really, really important? I... I, I, if you haven't made a habit of that, I would just want to strongly encourage you. I think you're right on, John. And I think as we're talking about being salt and light, we're talking about being the reflected glory of Jesus. Who better 
who's better at humbling himself than Christ? You know, he gave us that example, and he didn't even do anything wrong, you know? And still he humbled ourselves. So for us as, as parents, I know not everyone's in here as, as parents, but I think we can all take this as like there is no better way to reflect Christ than to make a practice of humbling ourselves. And if that means apologizing to our kids, amen, let's do it. That's good. Thank you. Well, it was from you. John Miller, everybody. I want to invite the, the home group leaders and the elders to come forward. Here's what we're going to do. Well, we always, you know, like to offer prayer at the end of services for, for whatever you guys are, are uh, needing prayer for. And, of course, that's open this morning. But I want to especially invite you, if you just need, you need a touch from the Lord to, to better in the home, to 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 understand, and that doesn't mean, you know, not like, oh, I'm doing terrible at home, but you just need strength. You need extra grace for whatever it is, for a tricky roommate, for a kid who's, uh, you're having trouble relating to. Whatever it is, you need extra grace for being salt and light in the home. I want to ask you to come forward. Not even just invite you. I want to ask you, come forward. This is what we're here for. We're here uh, uh, to, to, to come together, to draw strength from one another, to pray with one another, and to end up being more like Jesus. Isn't that why we come here? So let's just pray. I want to pray over you guys. Lord, we thank you so much for this family. We thank you for every single one in this room. Lord, and I ask that you would help us to reflect your glory in the home. I pray that you would conform us more and more to your image. And Lord, in all the places where there has, have been mistakes, I, I pray that your grace and your comfort would, would come close to us now to cover those things. We thank you, Lord, so much for the gift of humility that you modeled. And I pray that you would help us all to be able to embrace that in this room and not to run from it. I pray against the spirit of pride that would have us run away from that to cover ourselves. I pray that humility would be a practice and so for all those, Lord, who need a touch now, I just pray that you would touch them. And I pray that you would help us to be transformed more and more into your image. You guys agree with that? Amen. But remember, this week, we're going to be meditating on this in, uh, on our, in our devotional. So dive in if you haven't. And I want to invite you now to come forward and get prayer. We love you guys very much. Have a wonderful week.